is because also the Kenyan uh, mentality is that we think food security is maize. There are so many other uh, alternatives of food which can sub- easily substitute maize. And if we can have that mentality as Kenyans, then I think we should actually not be talking about food insecurity, but we should even be uh, uh, exporters. These are national security issues. The issues of food are national security issues. Government should be at the center left, right of food production. We as a ministry, we have partnered with them. And as we speak now, we have the first of its kind, what we are calling agroecology strategy, that is going to give uh, guidelines and framework on how to conduct um, um, a proper sustainable agriculture as far as diversity, use of agrochemicals, use of organic agriculture is concerned. You're listening to the Chakula Podcast. The 2010 Constitution of Kenya provides every Kenyan with a right to food. According to Article 431C, every Kenyan has a right to be free from hunger and to have adequate food of acceptable quality. Despite this constitutional provision and growing political prominence of food security, food insecurity is a reality in Kenya. On 13th of September 2022, His Excellency President William Ruto was sworn in. His government, according to the Kenya Kwanza Manifesto, pledged focus on agriculture and food sector. In this special edition of the Chakula podcast, Joe Kubudi, curator and editor at The Elephant, speaks to Honorable Agustino Neto and engineer Laban Kiplagat. Honorable Agustino Neto is the currently the technical advisor to the cabinet secretary of the Ministry of Environment, Climate Change and Forestry. And we have, as I have mentioned, engineer Laban Kiplagat, who works for the Ministry of Agriculture, Livestock and Fisheries. So gentlemen, uh, uh, karibu sana to this uh, Chakula podcast. I, I just like to, to get us started uh, with uh, with Laban. Uh, in the last, in the last, you know, the Kenya Kwanzaa government came into power with with promises of uplifting Kenyans, but in, but in particular, uh, a, f- a huge focus on agriculture. I mean, as we all know, you know, policy policy intent follows uh, budgets, and you know, we are debating the finance bill very intently the last couple of weeks. Uh, Laban, I know from someone from as an insider, uh, what, what do you make? What do you make of the, the the this year's budget, in particular with reference to to agriculture? Uh, thank you very much, uh, uh, all of you. Um, yeah, it's true. The agriculture sector in Kenya has actually been getting a raw deal for all the years coming. And we have been saying that we are an agricultural country that is driven, the economy is driven by agriculture and it has a lot of other benefits. But it has not been commensurating with the resource that is put in it. Because agriculture is, about, is actually essentially about what you put in is what you get out. So if you put less resources, you get less output. But uh, this year's uh, budget, and in in confirmation to the pledges made by the current government on how to tackle food insecurity and agriculture in general, at least we are seeing a positive move towards it. I cannot say that um, the funds will be adequate, but I think it's a positive sign from government that it's committed to uh, putting more resources to uh, food security in this country. And therefore, I think other partners can follow suit. And even as we move to the next subsequent budgets, I think uh, we will be looking back at our achievements so that it can justify why we need to put more. Yeah. 
I mean, in, in your view, Laban, what, what are some of the, the programs and plans that uh, this budget in particular that you're excited about uh, vis-a-vis uh, agricultural implementation and lifting Kenya towards uh, away from food insecurity to become a food secure nation? Oh, oh yes, thank you. I, I think um, we all know that um, our environment, climatic factors have affected uh, the resources that we use for, 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 for producing our food. So one of the things is that because of climate change, we are going to ensure that we have a more uh, irrigated agriculture as opposed to rain-fed agriculture. And therefore, uh, a lot of attention will be given towards irrigation. Two is that um, the inputs, the inputs that we use uh, for this agriculture has been wanting all along. And when we don't put enough input, like for example, uh, fertilizer and so on, then there is a problem of also getting um, inadequate yields and therefore it cannot serve the purpose. So the current government is also going to look into, or the current budget is going to look into how inputs can be streamlined and made available on a timely basis to our farmers. We are also looking at um, the need to mechanize our lands because mechanization is a way to go. When you mechanize, overheads can come down, timeliness can be seen. And therefore, um, we should be able to get more for less. So areas of mechanization is going to be another key area that um, this budget is going to um, to really um, support. And more specifically, on the issue of post-harvest management. We lose a lot of our crops when we are blessed with a bumper harvest because of poor storage, poor, poor processing, and even poor um, value addition. So these budget is going to ensure that what we get, we should be able to add value so that it can be stored for a longer period or is also going to, um, to, 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 to fetch more market. And uh, at the same time, uh, there is power in uh, group, group dynamics. Our farmers, wherever they are, they are not able to attract and to bargain for better, uh, better deal when they are not in good um, uh, groups. And therefore, cooperative uh, movement is being enhanced to ensure that even when our farmers even go to things like, for example, bargaining for importation of fertilizer and so on, or bargaining for sale of uh, produce through contract farming, they are able to get a better deal because they are together. So these are essentially some of the things that we are going to look to, into. And at the same time, also ensure that we improve extension because uh, skills, farmer skills, is very critical to this particular um, uh, agenda. And, they, and we do have a lot of knowledge that has been generated from our research institutions, but they are not able to reach our farmers because of a gap in uh, uh, effective extension services. So these are some of the things that is going uh, to be looked into uh, moving forward. Mm. Thank you, Laban. Uh, Neto, I mean, as Aban Ab- Ab- has mentioned a couple of things around you know, farm inputs, ETC, but um, if you look at other jurisdictions, America, uh, other parts of the world, there's always this, this tension. Uh, on one hand, you want to feed your population and you want to become a food-secure uh, country. But on the other hand, a lot of uh, the inputs, in particular mechanization, uh, you know, GMOs, fertilizers, uh, pesticides, you know, they, are, you know they, they harm the environment. So there's a, there's a tension there vis-a-vis climate change, but at the same time also, it also harms the consumers of those crops. How do we balance this tension, NATO? And and in your view, 
uh, how do we move away from how do we create could this is something you do and I know from the as a politician and also the green party how do we move towards sustainable ecosystem food ecosystems that are environmental friendly but at the same time feed the population I, I think first of all uh, Africa and Kenya by extension has uh, the ability to feed its population and uh, we can do that <clears throat> Uh, without resorting to industrialized agriculture. Uh, Africa has potential in um, good arable land, um, a huge uh, human resource in terms of population, uh, free labor, and like I said, Africa has a huge population um, which offers it uh, free labor, good arable land. What we need is a bit more capital um, in terms of variety of both crop research and, uh, you know, implements that would help us uh, towards um, agricultural productivity. You do not need to do um, fertilizers, pesticides, um, like the West have done for the longest. In fact, if you see uh, what the West is doing, is um, they have coming to Africa pesticides which in their own countries have been banned or uh, pesticides that um, are considered toxic. If you look at the African uh, ways of cultivation, um, Africans were able to, to grow crops in abundance um, you know, using um, various organic methods of, of farming uh, which did not need um, any chemical or pesticides in the manner of, of the industrialized um, West. But second thing, I think the issue of food security, um, uh, I've listened to Laban speak about issues of food security. Uh, in my view, uh, it will be a very difficult conversation as to whether Kenya is food uh, insecure. I think the challenge we have, which is a conversation that we've been having for a long time, is that then there's need to draw a clear distinction between food insecurity and, and, and the right to food. Uh, and and, and w- once you get that particular dichotomy correct, then it's possible then to understand what you're talking about. You know, uh, take the case of Kenya, for example. You have a place in Nyandarwa or, or the Nyauru area where cabbages and potatoes are rotting or not able to get to the marketplace. But you have a place in Trukana where again, uh, there's nothing to 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 eat. So 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 the disparity is not a disparity of of, of insecurity. It's it's a disparity of of, of access, um, uh, affordability. There 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 parts of the country where you might be able to have money, but you might not have the food to buy. I mean, the number of times if you travel uh, up north. The moments you have money in your pocket, but the food is not available. Uh, the food is uh, is uh, not within reach. So, so the distinction that we really need to make as a country in terms of helping uh, uh, establish or uh, support our population is the distinction whether the distinction of food insecurity versus that of food um, availability, accessibility, affordability, and the quality of the food. Uh, and and and. and so, 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 whereas you might think that you're food secure, 
you might then be having food that has toxins, which um, again um, is uh, not healthy. Um, if you look at uh, the Kenyan ecosystem, for example, you know the Nairobi, the Nairobi River Basin, uh, case in point, you might have uh, what you want to think is food security uh, or uh, the vegetables, the legumes, and everything else that comes down, you know, the Atiriva riding all the way to Kambani. It's all full of toxins. So, 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 so that distinction for me, as uh, someone interested in rights, someone interested in, in in issues, would not be a conversation as to whether Kenya is moving towards food security or Africa is moving towards food security. It will be more of uh, the quality in terms of rights, the right to food, and and and, and things like that. That's a conversation I'd like to to, to have. Mm. But the second thing that I'd like to speak to. The third thing I'd like to speak to is uh, the issue of, of budgets. So whereas it is possible to have a huge allocation of uh, budgets, first Kenya and African countries an obligation within the meaning of the Maputo Protocol uh, to increase uh, substantive budgets uh, to agriculture. I mean, 10% or, or more or less. Um, Yes, it's true. There are moments when we'll be having uh, budgetary disparities that it's not possible to have all the money that we need. But you also know that Kenya has been um, uh, the place where uh, even maize is stolen. Uh, food, money that is meant for good uh, and primary activities um, is stolen. Um, even relief food. Um, I mean, if you work in the parts of uh, northern Kenya and places that um, uh, where you, you, you're trying to work on food accessibility, the corruption, the, the theft. The, 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 I mean, so all, all this is a continuum that affects uh, the delivery on the right to food. So it is not just easy to say, yes, Kenya is working towards being food secure. Kenya also needs to work on these little things that stop um, people from accessing, um, affording, and, and having adequate and available food. I don't know if I'm making sense to this conversation. Thanks. You're making sense. Thank you so much, uh, Neto. Just as a follow-up question, uh, and I think it's for Laban. I mean, I mean, we're excited about, you know, I mean, by and large, around really going back to, you know, to really putting agriculture at, the, at a really pedestal uh, by the fact that we are a agricultural country. Uh, but we're talking about fruit to food, uh, Laban. I mean, what are some of the things that uh, the ministry uh, is doing or should be should, is doing around supply chains? Uh, because we all know, I mean, as Neto has said, there are parts of the country that really produce food, but they don't reach the consumer. And if they reach the consumer, uh, just because of transportation, uh, access to the consumer, uh, so so I mean, access to the consumer. So I mean, they either they. Commodities become either too expensive or they rot in the field. So how do we how do we uh, make our supply chains more elastic? But importantly, what are some of the things we need to start doing vis-a-vis vis-a-vis uh, vis uh, making sure that right to food is at the center, not just food production, but right to food is at the center of of this conversation. Thank you, thank you very much. Uh, I take note of what the Mishmiu has said, and it is very true that uh, at times. The disparity in this country, you hear there's a lot of food in, in Western and then in, in Eastern part of Kenya, there's no food. But I think um, I must say that um, as a ministry, we are looking at the whole value chain as far as uh, food product or agri-food system is concerned. And therefore, for us to make meaningful sense, the, we are talking about production. The production should be sustainable enough for us to ensure that it suffices the immediate users and also the uh, immediate neighbors. 
we are also talking about issues of productivity. Uh, we want to produce more for less using appropriate techniques and other inputs that ensure that um, that um, this food is produced in a manner that is not very costly to the producer so that they can be able also to sell in a manner that is not costly to um, to the consumer. For example, there is some part of uh, Rift Valley where a farmer uses good agricultural techniques and more specifically it's called minimum tillage. They are able to get 40 bucks of maize per acre. And the average farmer is getting between 8 and 15 at most uh, bucks per acre. So the farmer who gets 15 bucks per acre should sell at a higher price so that he can recoup his investment cost. While the one that has got 40 bucks per acre should sell, can sell even at a cheaper price because he will have got money, I mean, um, returns onto it. So we are looking at productivity and production. And at the same time, sometimes also we may have some few group of farmers that are talking about uh, produce going bad. Yet uh, when we want now to move to, to the next uh, um, uh, needy area, we find that it cannot even um, um, feel, um, uh, it cannot be viable to, to transport. So we are talking about timing. Farmers, if they are in a cooperative, it will be very easy to time. And as they time now, there will be that engagement, that negotiation, whereby we will see that um, which, which, which part of the country has, has, has less and which part has more. And it will be easy now to, um, to uh, get that produce at a go in a manner that is substantive enough. We are also talking about um, value addition. Sometimes it may not be very easy to transport at a go to those particular areas. But if we have some little value, for example, curing, storing, I mean, chilling or drying, it is possible that now they can be taken at the appropriate time. Take, for example, the case of uh, milk. Milk, uh, if it cannot go to the chilling station within the five, five hours or so, that uh, milk will have gone bad. So if we can even um, do some part of uh, processing or value addition at, at the farm, it's possible we can extend the life of that milk to maybe more than two days. The same also for other produce like um, cabbages and uh, and um, and potatoes and even maize because sometimes maize can also get rotten uh, in in the field. So um, value addition is what we are also looking at. And at the same time, um, we are building what we are calling aggregation centers. Aggregation centers are temporary storages whereby farmers are able to uh, bring their produce and store there for quality control, quality check. And um, we have got a program, um, an app called Kenya Market Information System, Kenya Agricultural Market Info Information System. If also our farmers and our leaders can use that, then it will be very easy even at, at the farmer to farmer level, at leader to leader level, or county to county level to engage at that platform when they see that there is food in a particular region and the other region does not have. So, uh, of course, together with the counties, we are on. We are trying to ensure that all this infrastructure is put in place, and we are happy because the government is actually improving very much the issue of infrastructure, more specifically um, road infrastructure. And um, if you go to Turkana, for example, today, I think um, the, the, the tarmac that was under construction is complete. 
And therefore, any investor, any private investor, any farmer cooperative can make a deal out of that by transporting their produce all the way to um, where the potential market is. So I think that is in short what we, how we want to see, want to look at the whole value chain and being inclusive, all of us being inclusive, the, the, the farmers, the policymakers, the, the private sector, so that every person plays his or her role in a manner that it can be business for all of us and it can be a win-win situation for all of us. Mm. Thanks. Thank you, Laban. Uh, a follow-up question, Laban. Uh, I mean, the, con- the constitution of Kenya 2010 uh, places agriculture as a devolved function. Uh, and one of the reasons why why they did this, uh, the, 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 you know, the architects of the constitution argued that agriculture has to be very close to the people. Uh, however, if you look, if you look at the budgets, if you look at the budget of the Ministry of Agriculture, uh, one one sees a lot of duplication of of roles, uh, duplication of roles, and this this may lead one to wastage, but then to uh, that the, the 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 eventual impact of the the inputs, whether whether it be finances, uh, you know, finances, uh, whether it be agricultural inputs. Uh, may 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 not meet the the farm on the ground because of duplication of of roles within the ministry. That both the ministry of agriculture is doing the same thing, but also counties, uh, which is their purview of agriculture, doing the same thing. Uh, how how do we move? How do we how do we move away from this lab and to the extent that uh, counties, uh, the ministry of agriculture in Nairobi, uh, can act as a facilitator and empower counties to actually, since they're closer, much more closer to to the people, to actually. Uh, facilitate and implement uh, the government's agricultural policy? Thank you. Thank you for that uh, very good question because it is really the question of the time. Uh, I want to tell you uh, an interview that um, food insecurity in Kenya has no boundary. It does not say because agriculture is the fourth, therefore we'll ask the county government about food security. Neither can it also be said because the national government is in charge of food security. Therefore, we need to ask. It is a, it's a function that cuts across all of us. It has no boundary, even not including the real farmers themselves. What we are doing as a ministry is, of course, appreciating the fact that agriculture being a very uh, grassroots activity it should be seen to be being done like that. Our role as a ministry mainly has been resource mobilization, and ensuring um, um, we, we streamline policy. And when I'm talking about streamlining policy, for the last about four years, we've had a lot of policies that were hurriedly made towards the rundown to the new constitution, which was not speaking to the reality on the ground. And therefore, we are reviewing based on the feedback that we are getting from counties. And the, the, the perceived animosity that people wanted to create is actually not there. I can tell you, for example, today, we have got um, so many actors. We have got Minister of Water, we have got cooperatives, uh, we have got, of course, agriculture itself that are do- doing things that are related to agriculture in one way or another. But because of the need for us to synergize and to ensure that we have effectiveness, there is a body that is called JASCOM that has been formed within the agriculture sector space to work very closely with the Council of Governors and therefore to reach... Um, the, the, the county governments. So we are actually working in a very streamlined way. Sometimes there are strategic projects that the ministry does. But I can tell you, um, my friend, that um, 
these strategic projects, the, 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 the counties are the, are the heart of it. We have a, a, a project, for example, Kenya Climate Smart Agriculture Project. It is only the policy direction is given from Nairobi, but the real implementation is done at the county level. The money is spent at the county level. The voting and the prioritization is done at the county level. We have another project called NARIC, which is also um, um, managed from now, but it is the grassroots work and all the procurement is done at the grassroots level. There is another one that ended the other day called Apatana Natural Resource Management Project. Very good example of a project that has had a good effect. It is done at the grassroots level. So we are not um, we are not uh, competing in any way, but instead we are synergizing. And counties have realized that without us working together, work can be very difficult for each party. I can tell you also that because of the need also for counties to ensure that amongst themselves, because they are CSOs, they are NGOs, and they scout itself, and then there are these uh, strategic national projects from Nairobi, uh, they, they have formed what we are calling um, CASCOM. County Agriculture uh, Sector uh, Coordinating Committee, which is almost, I think, almost all the counties now. And why they are doing that is because they have realized that sometimes a good NGO can come that has a lot of uh, impact on the ground. And therefore, the scarce resource that would have been spread very thinly, we can, they can agree to zone the area so that each party, each player can play a role but reporting to the overall coordinating body. So I think what you should have asked is how best are these coordinating mechanisms working? And I can tell you for the national level, we are working very perfectly well. All our engagement, all our visit, all our directives, all our correspondence, all our news pass through them. And therefore, maybe we may need also to look at how the one for county is behaving. So I don't think there is any duplication at all. But we, this is what I'm calling myself, positive synergy that we have started to see and it's appreciated by all of them. Thank you. Uh, thank you, thank you, Laban. Uh, Neto, one of the emotive things that uh, this country has, has had since uh, inception, 1920, was a land issue. Uh, when looking at this, the, the idea of land, particularly vis-a-vis -vis agriculture, uh, in places like Kisi, uh, parts of central Kenya, uh, parts of Rift Valley, there's increasing land pressure. Uh, land pressure, particularly around uh, uh, because uh, because of subdividing the plots, increasingly the parts of the country where agriculture is becoming attainable, not because the places are, are not agricultural or sustainable, but just because of land use, and particularly because of our history of land. Uh, since since um, since we're now moving, uh, the, this government's intent has really been around uh, uh, agricultural production. Very soon, we have to uh, we have to answer the land question that we have been evading uh, as a country. How do we go about this, NATO? Joe, thank you. Couple of things I'd like to speak to uh, just before I get into the land question. Uh, number one, I think uh, one of the things I'd like to propose or suggest uh, is that the Ministry of Agriculture stops running agricultural uh, agriculture in the form of agricultural projects. Agriculture, in my view, should be a lifestyle issue. Um, 
you we should be working towards ensuring uh, people maximize places where they have comparative advantages. If we find a farmer in Kisi who is able to produce five uh, uh, banana bunches or somewhere in Kuala who is able to uh, work on 10 mango trees, we should be working with them in terms of how do you maximize uh, where you have comparative advantage. Uh, could be in cassava, could be in whatever stuff. As opposed to looking at agricultural programs as project-based, you know, donor-driven issues. You know, he's talking about which project is ending where. Which, so when you start looking at agriculture as a, as a cyclic project issues, then, you know, it loses the bane. It, it makes the farmers... It, 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 it makes the farmers dependent, not 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 treating it as as, as as a lifestyle issue, something that they want to engage with on a day-to-day basis. That's the first thing I wanted to say. But the second one is also with regard to the national construct. The question that you ask, which is which is a good question, is that you know the national government um is supposed to be helping churn policy issues and agricultural issues are more supposed to be driven at the county level. So one, it's an indictment on the county governments, because you see, most county governments would not want to put money in agriculture. In fact, that's why I think we, we, we have most of the problems. And when they put money in agriculture, it is more of uh, infrastructure-based. It is more of issues. It will not be on agricultural research. It will not be on productivity. It will be more on, you know, the mechanization, the, you, you know, infrastructure that, that is making it easy to fleece things. So I, I think... Uh, that indictment of county governments can also not be left to pass that county governments need to appreciate agricultural production, agricultural activities as part of their function. They need to be budgeting towards agricultural extension services. They need to be budgeting towards agricultural uh, research uh, and, and amongst, amongst many other things. But there's something that the national government can do. If the national government is, is willing and wants to play a part in terms of influencing uh, the implementation of agricultural programs or performances, you could do conditional granting. You know, the law allows you, for example, to say uh, as a national um, agricultural office, we've seen the counties are not having uptake. Uh, uh, they're not having an uptake on various programs or various strategies that we want to implement. So it is possible to put a conditional grant and say we're going to be putting one billion shillings uh, we, are, we will withhold one billion shillings to the extent that it's going to work good towards ag- agricultural activities. But the third thing I also wanted to say is, um, is the continuum um, of, of, of agricultural production. That Yes, uh, um, uh, agricultural production, agricultural productivity, and various produce is going to rely on other things, you know, uh, the road infrastructure, various other things that you really need to look at in terms of the components. So, so, so yes, um, Lebanon has uh, some good points, but some of the, the mistakes have been made um, at the county government level, but the national government should also not, uh, should also appreciate the construct of, of the constitution, which wants to put more of the work to the county governments. There were reasons why, why that was, was done within the meaning of the Kenyan constitution. Uh, the last one I want to say on the things that Lebanon is engaging in are the issues of value addition. I think uh, to the better part, uh, farm produce and farm productivity uh, would, would, would work best if at all. They are small cottage industries of value addition. Uh, you know, one, it will both create employment, which will also increase the budgets, I mean, the profits with regard to agricultural productivity and agricultural production. So it will also then create appetite for people then to look more uh, of agriculture as 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 um, as profitable uh, uh, as, as as opposed to what it is right now. 
on the land issue question, um, I think uh, the level of subdivisions of land across the country make it very unproductive for productive agriculture. Kenya needs to rethink or relook its tenure issues uh, with regard to land. Uh, land being the uh, the most common basic means of production, and it, it's constantly shrinking. You know, the amount of productive land across the country is shrinking. Uh, we really need to see uh, how to think uh, uh, through our land tenure issues. Uh, Governments across the place, you know, when you hear Ethiopia, I mean, Ethiopia uh, up north has made uh, land subject to what you want to call the power of government. That the government is the one that owns land and the people just use it and produce on the on, on behalf of government. It's not titled the way we have our land issues. Titling land the way we've done in Kenya um, makes it, um, one, the cost go high, but also the holding process uh the holding process of land. I mean, people have huge chunks of idle land in this country that they are holding and prospecting for for, for their own end. I think that sort of alienation needs to needs to needs to be thought through. Uh, if at all we're going to be working towards making Kenya um, a real agricultural country, one that is more productive in terms of agriculture. Because you have places like you rightfully said, Kisi, the amount of land available is shrinking. Central Kenya, the amount of land is shrinking. But if, for example, we would use the unproductive uh, parts of our land uh, to do other things and leave the productive parts for for proper agriculture, we'll be doing we'll do very well. Lastly, is the issue of planning and planning with the whole land. Uh, right now, you find the most productive parts, uh, the change of user in the most productive parts of land, agricultural land in the Kuru area. In, in, in central Kenya. It's all going up into brick and mortar because people are selling productive agricultural land uh, to make real estate, to, to make it into a really, really things that it's not meant to be. So that sort of planning, if Kenya wants to move forward in a good way, we really need to see how best do we plan uh, with the, the most productive part of agricultural land uh, so that at least in the near future, we are able to produce food for the country. That's what I think. Thanks. Mm. Thank, thanks, Nusra. Thank you, thank you. Can I uh, um, echo um, points of agreement and probably clarification to what my colleague uh, Ms. has said? Um, I want to say that um, we 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 are learning and we are learning together. And an issue that is land is an issue that will be more sustainable. We are working with the counties not because we want to load over them. In fact, our capacity in Nairobi office is so lean that. Uh, we are not in a position now even to police every county. But, um, you know, the issue of resource mobilization, the issue of developing concepts and projects that will uh, um, attract funding uh, to the counties, we we work together. For example, um, when you go to a place like Coast, issue of Kashunat, issue of Macadamia has been an issue that has been prioritized by the government and even the county government. And so we are working with them on that particular issue so that they see how they can be financed through um, both the county and there is a body goal we are calling AFA, Agriculture and Food Authority, that is also a regulator and at the same time a promoter of some of this. So yes, we are not saying that um, we are making general um, projects or programs for everywhere. We are also becoming targeted and we are seeing where there is a need 
for, 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 for collaboration between the county government and the national government. And sometimes also some of these projects, they cut across. For example, um, when you go to a place like uh, this, what we are calling malnutrition, uh, from agriculture perspective, an assessment was done and it was seen that county, counties of northern Kenya, that's Turgana, Marsabit, and parts of Wajir, are experiencing that. So a project like that now can, is, is actually cross-cutting the counties. And this is where we together uh, work together to form a, a, a mechanism that we can all work together and in a coordinated manner for the purpose of effectiveness. Um, I want to um, agree with my colleague that land issue is becoming a challenge. Even for us as, uh, as a ministry, we are seeing this as a huge challenge. We have got all the policies and acts in place that have been put to ensure that land is um, managed and uh, even uh, used in a manner that's sustainable for the long term. But it, uh, the, the, the operationalization and, uh, and enforcing has been a bit of a challenge. And I think we are saying from where I sit that um, probably why people are subdividing a place like Kiambu, for example, is because coffee has lost its uh, former glory. If we make agriculture to be as it was, then the option of people putting residential houses vis-a-vis -vis the income from agriculture can discourage to some extent. So we are trying to see how we can make agriculture to be a better paying um, enterprise so that uh, speculation of people want to make more money by subdividing and putting uh, residential uh, areas or uh, houses is actually discouraged. But we also hope that um, 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 the the, the issue of land use planning and land policy needs to go to another level. But also in the short run, we are seeing ourselves that um, for, for the purpose of food security in this country, we are uh, we are trying to look at the expansive asal area, especially now that uh, we we are talking about harvesting water and going irrigation way to um, reclaim more land for the purpose of agriculture so that we have, can have food for the, for, for the time being, and other innovative ways. There are other innovative ways that can be done, like uh, urban agriculture, like uh, hydroponics, like uh, vertical farming, and so on, which can uh, meet the short-term need of the food. But the long-term, my friend, I think uh, we, it needs a national conversation on this. Thank mm. you. Thanks. Thank you, Laban. I mean, I mean just to reiterate uh, what uh, Nito had, had said about planning, uh, I mean, uh, again, the, the, gov the government uh, has intent to construct uh, uh, two million houses in the next uh, one million houses. Sorry, the next five years. Uh, my estimate, if you're constructing five million houses in 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 what they're calling an urbanization project, uh, I think there are two questions that uh, Kenyans are asking. The first question is whether the houses will be built. I don't think that that's a conversation for this place, but the, the conversation within, particularly. Uh, for people who are interested in, in sustainability is how will you feed one million people who you, who many in many sense might move from rural areas or might now um, get into urban spaces what, what what's the sustainable plan vis-a-vis -vis, uh, food security for for these new households who may move into these new urban spaces thank you <coughs> so, Jamasmi is talking. You know, yeah, I mean, 
I mean, I mean, I don't know what Laban wants to say on this, but yeah, Joe, yeah. I, I, I think on this one, I'd like to say, I mean, if this would be a plan to move many of us to the urban cities to leave the spaces for rural agriculture, I would really support, and it's a day that I like. I mean, if you look at a country like Zimbabwe, uh, if you see uh, the way. Uh, sorry, Neto, uh, please go again. A series, even in terms of providing. It is possible and cheaper when you concentrate them in neighborhoods that is easy then to reach. You know, uh, look at the challenge of, 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 of delivering such economic development in Kenya. Uh, if you're driving from. Uh, 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 Nairobi towards Kisumu, you end up with like 100 cities uh, from Naivasha, Kijabi, uh, whatever. All these people need a sewerage system. All these people need electricity. All these people need a police post. That there is bad planning. You can't run a country like that. It's unsustainable. So if, if at all the idea, if there's a broader plan to move everyone else towards cities, um, as many as you can, I mean, we could, let's say, for example, move us into 47 cities across um, uh, the various counties and leave the rest of it in the counties to productive agricultural land where we can now engage now human labor, human force, the Kenyan labor force into producing agricultural food for our people, supplying the cities. That for me would be a fantastic idea. The second thing which I really like us to support, and, and let's let's be positive. Sometimes it's not good to always kill um, uh, a, a good idea simply because of the messenger or the person who's propagating it. The right to housing is a useful right. I mean, if you live and travel this country, people live in squalor. Just take a stretch of Nairobi, uh, Kibra, uh, Mukuru, Wanjenga. There are places in this country that you wonder what sort of dignity is this. Uh, Within the meaning of Article 43 and such economic rights, the right to housing therefore becomes a constitutional right. It is something that we need to guarantee. Where is the flip side? The flip side is we really need proper planning to ensure that we are not going to end up with uh, cities that are not be able to be fed because everyone else has moved from the villages. No, it is still possible to maintain the balance and make agriculture productive, make agriculture cool, make agriculture this big thing that, that everyone else wants to engage in. Right now, the reason why most Kenyans are not engaging in agriculture is because it doesn't pay. I mean, it's, you, 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 it's pretty broke. It's, it, it, it's not the cool thing to do, but it's possible to make cool agriculture. And we've seen people make a lot of money from farming, and that is what we need to take agriculture. Uh, we, were, we, were, we were socialized to think that uh, doing agriculture or planting vegetables or planting uh, tomatoes is not cool. I think it's cool because it makes money. That is what we need to do. Promotion of the rights to food, promotion of agriculture, promotion of good practices, but also uh, measured in the planting. Sorry, I jumped in, Lavan. Thanks. Ah, thanks. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, you know, you, you, you've really said it, and I think, uh, as you said, um, <laughs> a conversation like this does not need to We stay in different uh, uh, call posts. Sometimes we also come to the same uh, call. Eh? So I agree with you that um, <clears throat> there is a, a challenge of land. And uh, to me, um, the urbanization, if it is what how I understand it, is that this uh, housing program will 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 will, will prioritize um, high rise high rise flats, which now when you consider the space taken to house a certain number of people, it will be less than if it were done in the traditional way we understand. So bringing people together will create space. 
that will be able to allow for mechanization. I know my colleagues say that we don't need to use mechanization because of climate change. Yes, of course, there are better ways of, of how you can use mechanization. One of it is, I say it is um, conservation tillage is one of the uh, strategy that we can use to, to mitigate against climate change. Uh, so when, when we have more land, we can be able to mechanize. And when we mechanize, it is very possible that we bring the cost of, um, of, of doing aggregate down. And when we bring the cost of doing aggregate down, there are two uh, positive things. One is that uh, the, 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 the farmer should be able to get more income because of the less overheads. And two is that the consumer should be able to buy food at an affordable price because you have not sold at a high price because you have got more money out of it. I know, for example, a country like um, Turkey. Turkey is moving towards a second world. But some 10 or 20 years ago, all of them were in the villages. But you see now they are migrating to urban centers and leaving their rural villages for, 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 for large-scale um, farming. And when we open up land like that, uh, gentlemen, is that it will also help us to ensure that we, we, we practice what we are calling sustainable agriculture. Sustainable agriculture means at times we leave some land to be followed so that it, it recovers. At times we change the crop enterprise that we put there, crop rotation. How can we do crop rotation if the land is, is even not there? But when we have that expansive land, it's possible to do a proper planning so that we can go in cycles and therefore we can ensure that our biodiversity and our group, uh, our group diversification uh, is, is not jeopardized. Why we are talking about food insecurity, which I think the Mashimwe had talked earlier, is because also the Kenyan uh, mentality is that we think food security is maize. There are so many other uh, alternatives of food which can sub easily substitute maize. And if we can have that mentality as Kenyans, then I think we should actually not be talking about food insecurity, but we should even be uh, uh, exporters. Thank you. Uh, Laban, just a, a follow-up question. Uh, you talk, you're talking about uh, uh, you know, massive, massive land agriculture industrialization. However, if you look at the statistics, uh, not just in Kenya but world over, uh, food production is done by small, smallholder farmers. Uh, what, what, what's, what's, what's the ministry's uh, intent to, 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 to continue supporting? Uh, small-scale farmers, because if you look at, again, as I, as I emphasize, world over food production is done best, uh, done best, it's much more sustainable when it's carried down by small by smallholder farmers. Thank you. It depends on how you, how you look at it. When you want to mechanize, for example, something like um, wheat, you can go, not go in, grow in half an acre. You need five acres and above. But uh, if we go to more, our more traditional foods like um, cassava, like sorghum, millet, maize, uh, beans, uh, and so on, yes, it can do very well under small scale. And by the way, we are talking about Kenya, Kenya being um, um, agriculture in Kenya being practiced practiced by over eighty percent. Over eighty percent of the Kenyan farmers are small scale, small scale farmers. But uh, why we are not getting the right thing is because we we are not also. You find somebody somebody in a in a place that can easily grow uh, sorghum is still insisting on growing maize because they think <laughs> maize is a food crop. Where um, cowpeas is coming is can grow very well, 
somebody can still also grow what. So, um, yes, what we are trying to do as a ministry is that we are living with the reality. Uh, we are happy that um, I am an engineer by profession. We are happy that there are so many technologies that have come up that are targeting every sector or every uh, every category of farmers. They are those for very small-scale farmers, medium-scale farmers, and large-scale farmers. So, yes, we are trying to link up each and every category of farmers to the right technology so that at least they can help them to um, overcome the unnecessary cost. And at the same time, of course, um, trying to uh, give them proper um, extension uh, so that they know how to optimize that little space for uh, for for their own uh, sufficiency and so on. Our principal secretary last week was in India, and India is a country that has done very well under small, you know, you know this peasant farming system. There is no food security there, so we are also learning best practices from them. Of course, our cultures can be diverse, but when it comes to issues of food, you know, there are times that we need to really uh, put aside our culture and say, if we cannot do this, we'll all die. So we are trying to address, but as I said, is that um, the bigger the land, the better. But in the scenario that we are in now, we are not trying to condemn even those who have become victims of small uh, land sizes, but we are trying to reach them. And that's why uh, we are even profiling them and say who are the most needy. And the most needy are those that the government is trying to prioritize by giving them subsidy in form of uh, farm inputs and so on, so that uh, as they grow up. And at the same time, also, once we have ensured that all these people have been rejuvenated, then we form them into a huge cooperative or a huge farmers group that should be able to time their production for the purpose of market and other um, support services. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. Thank thank you, Laban. Uh, A follow-up question. I mean, there's a, the ministry and government in, in general is talking about a lot about farm inputs. But as as Neto said, uh, we have to look at uh, uh, farming in terms of a lifestyle. How 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 do you balance how how do you balance uh, this vis-a-vis the well-being of the farmer? Is 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 the farmer being centered in the conversation? And 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 importantly, what are farmers who don't require uh, you know? At, certain level of inputs how do how do we factor them in this conversation thank you thank you i think um uh, the machine had said earlier and i still want to repeat and the conversation we actually don't need to be reliant of of external um inputs uh, uh, harmful inputs to our farm but because of the way we have and sustainable agriculture it has brought us to where we are so we are trying to trace back where, where did we go wrong? One of it is that why we put a lot of fertilizer, for example, is because of things like um, soil um, fertility decline, soil uh, acidity, soil alkalinity. So if we start managing the soil and ensure that the soil is healthy, the soil is not eroded, the soil is um, is, is is allowed to to to, to have its its, its 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 biodiversity, then one of the way to increase uh, productivity is that two is that um, because of climate change there are a lot of other invasive pests and diseases that have um, that have come and they can be aggravated by overgrowing or over relying on a particular uh, crop in an area that will 
it will uh, make that pest or disease to colonize area. So what we are trying to do is that um, we are saying that crop diversification at this point in time should be the way to go because when you have crop diversification, um, you break the cycle for the, some of these pests and diseases. And when you break the cycle, the level of putting inputs, um, uh, external inputs into your, your farming system is, is likely to be reduced. We are also saying that, um, um, the, yes, as it is now, a lot of our farming community, of course, as much as we are helping them to give them um, um, some of this input, they are still lacking in that awareness of how how to ensure healthiness in the in the in the in the in the, in the way they practice agriculture, and uh, that's why I was saying earlier that um, we are collaborating with the county government to ensure that when we have proper extension services functioning, then some of these things can be brought right to their doorsteps. But that alone, also, we are in conversation with the. Um, with the with the with the private sector, the agrochemical uh, dealers, that once you are um, a dealer of a particular um, output, for example, you need also to look at the farmer at the at your product wholesomely, not only to sell for it to be spread. Do some bit of also capacity building and do some six bit of awareness uh, on the dangers, and the pros and cons of what you are doing and how you are doing it. And I think it has worked very well. We are seeing that collaboration. We are picking that from uh, the ministry. Most of these agrochemicals are having field days spread all over Kenya. And during those field days is when some of those things are being talked into. We've uh, had um, a fully-fledged division uh, in the ministry that is going to look into um, pests and how uh, pests and diseases of plants and chemicals and how uh, it relates to the farming system. And of course, we are developing strategies on how to ensure that we even move it further. And coming to um, the issue of um, agroecology, I want to report here that um, in the private sector, in the social, uh, uh, in the in the uh, civil society world, we have a lot of uh, um, uh, organizations that have been talking about organic agriculture, sustainable agriculture, regenerative agriculture, and so on. We as a ministry, we have partnered with them. And as we speak now, we have the first of its kind, what we are calling agroecology strategy, that is going to give uh, guidelines and framework on how to conduct um, um, a proper sustainable agriculture as far as diversity, use of agrochemicals, use of organic agriculture is concerned. So it's in the pipeline and anytime it will be ready, hopefully before the end of the year. And we have worked together with the civil society, and we believe that now that we are together in this, they also are going to play their rightful role because uh, b- before this uh, strategy has been developed, they have been doing the way they know. But now we are putting our minds together and say we have to have a standard on how we address some of these things. So we are in the pipeline and we are addressing, and the farmer is at the center, and also the well-being of the consumer is also at the center of our conversation here. Thank you. Thank you so. Thank, thank you, you so much. much. A couple of things, Joe, that I'd like to speak to, if you allow me. Can you hear me? Yes, yes, I can, Neto. Go ahead. Yeah, thanks. I mean, so I, I think uh, Laban says very uh, many uh, useful things, but I think what the point that I'd like to emphasize is number one, the need to invest in agricultural extension services. 
and, and, and it's a point that he makes, uh, but I think he makes it as as, as as a passing point. If we're going to promote agriculture, if we're going to promote productivity, uh, then the place of agricultural extension services needs to be amplified. The budgets that we're talking about uh, for agriculture needs to be moving towards creation of awareness, creation of um, all, all this teaching and the training. Um, you... you we must engage the citizenry in, in knowledge-based issues. Uh, he made a very good point by saying that, you know, some people just think maize is only staple. You find, for example, uh, I mean, the coastal uh, strip, you know, the Kuala area, the Kalifi area, cassava would do very well. But you find that people still think, I mean, uh, cassava flour is, is, is as good, and I'm told it's more nutritious. Uh, but you find the people in the coast still struggling uh, to, to try and grow maize, which uh, you know a net effect is that there's not going to be any good produce. So you put in a lot of um, labor, money, and time, the, the, the yield is zero. But that is because I think of the deficiency in the place of uh, agricultural extension services and the citizenry being trained or told what is good, uh, what's possible. That's the first thing. But the second one, uh, I, mean, I think he thought it, it did speak about mechanization and making it some of the arable land um, uh, mechanization and moving towards industrializing uh, the agricultural production systems. I, I really think that Kenya and Africa has a lot of free labor. Every single village in this country, there is manpower that is lazing there that just needs to be encouraged and be, be brought into space where agriculture is, is, is profitable, is, is, is a cool thing, something that makes them uh, attractive. And I, I think then we will be able to. Uh, to, 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 to drive in more people. We don't even need to do this mechanization thing. We, we are able to uh, have a clean, uh, green, smart agriculture. And like you put it, you know, the smallholder potential in just aggregating our output, computing all that we produce in our small farms, you know, to store for, for good times, uh, for, 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 you know, when we have a good harvest, we store it for, you know, for the future. The smallholder farmers is what you need to do capacity, you know, both in terms of cooperative uh, to also help produce um, goods for exchange. I, I studied by illustrating for you that Kenya is a very interesting country the way there's disparities. You have a lot of beef in the northern parts of Kenya. They have no uh, stash or something like that. It is possible to engage in productivity, both of livestock, of, of agricultural produce, that one enhances trade across uh, the whole place. But the last point that I want to make is that you do not want to make agricultural production and food production issues of the private sector. These are national security issues. The issues of food are national security issues. Government should be at the center, left, right of food production. You cannot, for example, you, 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 you want to be in charge of, 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 of what is eaten in your country, what is produced in your country. In fact, you know, one of the most interesting conversations, which is you know, part of uh, Egypt's foreign policy, the convention that they have is about if you touch our water, you touch our the center of our national security. That should be the convention that every African country does have or or put in the psyche of the national um, of the national priorities. That food, the, the the food for the people of Kenya is this thing that the president or the cabinet wakes up to every day, thinking about how our people are going to be fed, what quality of food our people are having. That 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 is the core. All these are the things we are doing. Uh, uh, high-rise buildings, doing everything else, really. Um, what you use is a country that is constantly starving and, 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 you're, and, and we're priding ourselves on all this. So I really think that uh, 
food, um, voters' right needs to move at the center of discussion of national security issues and becomes a serious um, uh, engagement and conversation. I thank you. Thank you so much, Neto. Uh, finally, we come to the end, but just to end, uh, for Neto, uh, 54% of household budgets in this country uh, you know, spend spend their incomes on 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 food, uh, and and because of because of any sixty percent, particularly among the the urban proletariat and rural poor, it it even goes higher. Uh, I mean, my question because we are we are we are staring on a on a fiscal crisis because of because of you know the the debt distress uh, from the last ten years. How how do we cope? Uh, as a population, and importantly, uh, what would you advise government for the interim strategies to make sure that uh, a majority of Kenyans, particularly the poor, even 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 before many of the policies that have been put in place uh, are affected, such that we're able to feed ourselves in the in, in the interim? I, I think it is going to be uh, a heavy, bumpy ride for the country for the next couple of uh, months, a couple of years. One, like you rightfully said, the, the country is heavily in debt. And uh, like you know, uh, debt is the first charge in a consolidated fund, which makes it very complicated. And some of this debt that was borrowed, some of it to do things we cannot know or account for is due and we have to pay for it. Uh, I really think that... One, uh, we need sufficient political awareness. Uh, the government needs to come alive to the fact that, yes, we are in a deep hole. And and, 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 and that means, for example, we have to streamline uh, everything that is possible and focus on the right priorities. It is not the time to... It's time... It's calling for the government being, uh, you know, a disciplined government, uh, sufficient political will in terms of how we want to engage and expand, but also looking at both short-term and long-term measures. Uh, we have to maximize short-term food production through whatever means that we're able to do, but also have a long-term plan. Because if we are going to be in debt for the next three, four, five years, then again, it only makes sense to know that that is a space where we are. That's the whole reign. And now we have to plan both for the short-term and also the long-term. But... I think there's a lot of hope. Uh, there's a lot of hope because one, um, as a country, uh, we have a population that is willing and uh, hardworking. Uh, we just need to see the political goodwill from the leaders and that the leaders are honest and working in concert with us. And as a country, then we can be able to pull this, up, pull this through. Thank you, Nito. Uh, even as you add on that, sorry, even as you add on that, I also like you to also comment on the fact that for the last couple of years, uh, perhaps even 20 years, the Ministry of Agriculture hasn't been funded adequately. Now we are seeing a reverse with that. But then, outside of just funding, how do we make the Ministry of Agriculture, as Neto has said, front and center uh, towards not just a, a security issue, but become front and center towards uh, a key pillar of uh, our domestic policy. Thank you. Um, uh, before I say that, I wanted to add um, what Mr. Demeshimura has said about um, um, uh, the interventions that, that, that need to be done. And I want to say that uh, as a country and as a ministry, we have come of age. When we talk about 54% being food insecure, uh, yes, we appreciate that and we know they are there. But what we have done is that we want to go out of our way 
to identify who are these 54 percent so that even as we give targeted intervention like for example input subsidy and so on then we will also be monitoring to ensure how many have come out of that net uh, poverty because some people might re- decide to remain there uh, perennially as um, <laughs> as part of the conversation of the 54% or so. So we are uh, going into farmer registration. And in this farmer registration, it's going to profile every farmer, his capabilities and his challenges that, um, that, um, that, that face them. And we'll be monitoring as the interventions are being applied to, to them We'll be monitoring how they are responding. And I think at the end of it all, we should be able now to be reporting how many farmers, how many poor Kenyans have we managed to to uh, bring out of food insecure uh, environment to food secure environment. So I think that is what we are doing now. And even our e-forger system that we are using to, to give the input subsidy, we are seeing a lot of efficiency even in now things like fertilizer, which I can say that this year, it, we have done better than all the other years combined because we are targeting uh, the right farmer, and if the right farmer does not want, then it is not it is not taken away. It's either you take it and use it, or you just leave it and then somebody else can use. Now, on the issue of uh, of food security, yes, I agree uh, that it should be made a national um, um, security issue because there is no need for us to be waiting until when the catastrophe hits us and then we declare state of emergency. I think in the short run, it can be declared as a national security issue and this is such a time that um, we, we, we find that we are stable enough. But even as we do that, I think there are still other things that we, 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 we need to be doing concurrently uh, because we have not exhausted. Among all the things that we have said um, earlier is that we've forgotten a critical part of our society. And that's the youth. Statistics that we have from the ministry now say that uh, the average age of the farmer is 60 years. And 60 years is this farmer who is not digitally uh, upright, who is uh, technologically uh, not very educated. But we have the Kenyan youth who account for over 65%. And from our estimate, we say that about 10% of the youth are practicing agriculture. Where are the others? These are the youth that are able to transform things. These are the youth that are able to go out of their way even to seek for knowledge, even from their online platforms that are out there. So the conversation on targeting the youth is an issue that is core at the ministry. And uh, we are working with the different partners and, of course, county government to ensure that we address the issue of the youth because they still have the energy and they can still be able now to do... Uh, better than uh, even our uh, uh, farmers before. So that as we do that, then we need to invest heavily in storage. Why should it be? Uh, In the Bible, we are told that um, there was this man called Joseph who interpreted a dream for the Pharaoh. And he said that uh, there is a dream, or rather there will be seven years of plenty and seven years of scarcity. And so the strategy they put in place was that while we have plenty, we need to store so that while we have scarcity, we should be able to eat that. In this country, we go literally all the uh, cereal stores that we we, 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 we we have spread all over the country. You find them empty or storing wrong things that are not uh, that were not intended for that. So I think even as we are having climate change issues, climate change is both ways. 
it can be drought and it can be wet wet season. During the wet season, counties that have never been growing maize can grow a very bumper harvest. And that is a time that we, we can say as a country, we need to prioritize to mop up all those produce and store in an appropriate uh, place so that it becomes our risk mitigation uh, strategy in the event that we have a problem uh, of food insecurity. So I think once we do that, I hear some countries are saying that they are food secure for over 20 years. So it's a conversation that we need to take as a Kenya. How, how long do we want to have our food stored that we know that anything, it, if it happens, we are secure for this length of time? And I think that will be the time that probably we can now say that food insecure, food, uh, food as a national security issue can either be now removed from that priority or something like that. So I think those are some of the things that I, in my view, um, need to be um, looked into seriously moving forward. And even the conversation should not end here. It needs to move uh, forward. Thank you. Thank you so much, Laban and Neto, for your time here at Chakula Podcast. Uh, thank you so much for your insights and thank you so much for uh, lending your expertise to the Kenyan people. Asante Nisana. Thank, thank you. Have a good weekend. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.